Okay, episode number two. This is long-awaited by a lot of my friends, actually. Um, I've told them about this idea that I've had to read one of my short stories. Um, one of my short stories that I write in my free time. Uh, but I never had the time to do it. So, today that's what I'm going to do. I'm, it's not going to be super professional. It's not going to be super good. Uh, but it's something to let people listen to my stories instead of, you know, having to read it themselves. So I thought I'd make it a little easier for them. They could do laundry or homework, whatever, in the background. I'll just be reading this to them. It's kind of like I'm just there. And in that fact, you'll hear probably hear me mess up a lot. And I like that. I'll keep it in because it's just like I'm sitting there reading it to you. And it doesn't have to be super professional. You, I won't be just a voice. I'm like a person, an actual person reading it to you. So without further ado, here is Medley Tales, The Zoo. The year is 2135. 100 years have passed after the people began developing superpowers called talents. Progress in culture slowed to a halt after the development of talents. Although technology has progressed, many things have not changed at all. By the way, this is a, a bit of a long story, so get settled in, grab some popcorn, and um, enjoy the ride. Jackson Medley, a college sophomore, slept soundly in his room. Jackson flinched as he heard the alarm blaring in his room. He reached over and pressed a button on his alarm. He flicked a switch on his wall, and the blinds began to raise. Blinding light flooded the room to reveal the messy state in which it stayed. As soon as the blinds had reached the top of the windows, quick, light footsteps could be heard coming from the hallway. Jack's door slid open and a tiny brown-haired girl ran toward the bed carrying a stuffed bear. She launched herself onto the bed, landing right on top of Jack. Jackie, Jackie, come on, let's go. Breakfast is ready. Come on. Hang on, Annie. I'm not even out of bed yet. And I have to get some clothes on before breakfast. But you have clothes on. I'm in my pajamas. This doesn't count. What's for breakfast, anyway? Blueberry pancakes. Yes. Mom never makes those. Jack grabbed a hold of Annie and began to hovering in the air. Hold on tight. Both Jack and Annie turned transparent and hovered through the floor. One floor down, Jack and Annie descended toward the wooden floorboards and landed easily. Annie, why, why aren't the lights on? Annie shrugged her shoulders as Jack flipped on the light switch. On the counter sat a big plate stacked high with blueberry pancakes. Jack grabbed some plates and put them on the table. He also grabbed the plate of pancakes. Annie, these are cold. How long ago did Mom take these? Or how long ago did Mom make these? Where is she, by the way? Jack listened intently to the sounds in the house. He could hear the air conditioner running at full blast. The vent in the bathroom was making a weird sound again. There was a fly loose in the dining room. It tapped on the window for the thousandth time to escape. Melodic buzzing could be heard from this bedroom. 
It must be Katie. I'll call her back. On the second floor in his parents' bedroom, he could hear the he could hear a blow dryer running. She's not even done getting ready. Why would she make these before getting ready? That's so weird. Mom didn't make these, Jackie. I did. Jack sat on the chair next to Annie. You made these? Good job, sis. But why are they so cold? How long have they been sitting here? I came up to get you when I got done. Jack began nodding his head. I see. So you used your talent. Annie nodded. So that's why they're cold. What did you use? Annie pointed to the counter where an empty plastic bag sat. You used all the bread to make these? Annie, bread is expensive. Mom is going to be ticked. Well, I don't know how to make pancakes. What was I supposed to use? You were supposed to wait until I got up, so we could all eat breakfast as a family. Annie rolled her eyes. Nuh-uh. You eat all alone all the time. Only when I have to leave for my job, and definitely not on Saturdays. Those are family breakfast days. We're going to have to stop by the grocery store on the way to the zoo to get more bread. No, we won't be able to see the bears. Annie, the bears are going to be there all day. And if we don't stop for bread, we're going to both be in trouble. Now, let me see your plate. Annie handed Jack her plate, and he began to warm up the pancakes with heat vision. He handed the steaming plate of pancakes back to his sister, who was pouring, who was pouting in the seat across from him. Eat your pancakes. We'll leave as soon as I get back. But you haven't eaten yours. How come I don't? Ha- how come you don't have to eat them? Before she could finish her sentence, Jack scarfed down his pancakes in a split second. He poked Annie on the forehead with two fingers and dashed off to his room to change. He grabbed a red sh- shirt and some black shorts made of silky materials. After grabbing his mobile, he dashed toward his parents' room. Seconds later, he appeared next to his mom in the powder room. Hi, sweetie. You guys leaving for the zoo? Yeah, we're about to. Annie's finishing up breakfast now. Oh, did you make her breakfast? Actually, she made blueberry pancakes, he said with a chuckle. You're kidding. I'm not. Six years old, and she's already figured out how to turn objects into a food. She's a natural. She's like your dad. Whatever she, whatever he puts his mind to, he can do. That smarty pants. What'd she use this time? All the bread. There wasn't a single piece left in the bag. Jack's mom exhaled. Annie! She said with such power that the mirror cracked. Mom, your voice hasn't warmed up. I could have just got her for you. Darn it. There goes another mirror. Honey, while you're out today, could you pick up some bread? And maybe another mirror? Sure, but just one thing. What is it? I need Dad to put some more money into my account. I need to pay my next semester's tuition ahead of time. Where is he, by the way? He had a hospital call early this morning. Jerry had an accident. 
Jerry. Jerry who? Jerry Campbell. He was at your graduation party, remember? He owns the construction company. Jack snapped his finger. Oh, that Jerry. He had an accident? Small footsteps could be heard from the hallway. Yes, he was in a mech when it fell off a building. Medical drones took him to the general hospital in Tennessee. Your father took the car, so you and Annie are going to have to take the subway to get to the zoo. The door slid open and Annie walked in as Jack answered. What do you mean he took the car? We have two, don't we? The other one is in the shop, remember? The engine broke down. Jack snapped his finger once again. Oh, yeah. As Jack spoke, his mom turned to Annie. Annie, did you use all the bread to make the pancakes? Yeah. Honey, you can't use all the bread, all of our food to make things. Food is expensive. We can't keep using it, all of it. If you're turning it into other food, we can't keep using all of it, even if you're turning it into other food. Do you understand? Annie nodded her head solemnly. Okay. Jack began walking toward the door. Alrighty, it's about time to go. Mom, we're heading off. Okay, be careful. Don't get into trouble. Annie ran into Jack and lent latched onto his back like a koala. Jackie, can we fly there? Jack scrunched up his face. I don't know about that. Please? The seats on the subway are so cold and it's scary. What are you scared of what are you scared of with me around, sis? The tunnels are dark, and there are bad guys. I'd protect you from any bad guys. Nobody's gonna get you on my watch. Can we please fly there? Are you going to fly with me? Jackie, I can't fly. I'm not licensed to fly with someone on my back yet. I've got to follow the rules, sis. Annie groaned disapprovingly. Fine. We can take the subway, I guess. Jack grabbed onto her hands as they hovered through the walls and floors. It's not as bad as you think. There's that nice man that always gives you candy at the desk. He'll be there. They reached the street, and Jack tightened his grip on Annie. Close your eyes and mouth, and hold on tight. We're going to go really fast. Jack supported her neck and legs, and dashed off to the subway. Moments later, they appeared in the middle of a crowded room. Annie's hair was frizzled from the wind. He set her down, and held her hand as they walked through the ticket booth. They reached the door, they reached the booth, and Jack began to dig into his pocket. One adult and child for Station 28, please. Jack pulled out his wallet and began to rifle through it. As he was greeted from the other side from... He was greeted from the other side of the glass by hoarse, violent coughing. ID, please. A gruff-sounding older gentleman sat behind the grimy glass, talking through a small hole. Jack handed him a chip, which he floated over his hand and then to a device without moving a muscle. Shifting his fingers, he brought the chip back to the window as Jack grabbed it. Instinctively, the man looked at Jack as he grabbed for the chip. The man frowned slightly. He looked thoughtful. However, Jack didn't know what to make of him. 
This man seemed very hard to read. Dashta Medley? Jack's shoulders eased up. He loosened his, he loosened his grip on Annie as he spoke. Ah, this guy just thought he recognized me. What a relief. I think you're talking about my dad. The man shifted his fingers as two freshly printed tickets floated in the air toward the window. Wait, you're Jackson? Jack nodded his head. Holy cow! You look so different! Have you gotten taller? People often asked Jack this exact question. Since he was an entire foot and a half taller than average, people talked about his height more than anything. Since this guy was clearly from the church, Jack decided to jump into the role he does when conversing with the congregation. He slapped a smile on his face and lightened his tone as he grabbed the tickets. Not that I can recall. I did get a haircut recently. The man responded with a bright smile. However, even the brightest smile couldn't change the fact that his voice sounded like he had smoked for years. That must be it, he said in between violent coughs. It's great to see you, kids. Good to see you, too. You kids enjoy your ride. They both began walking toward the boarding area. Jack nodded to the man as they walked away, as, he, as they turned away. Annie began tugging at Jack's shirt to get his attention. He looked down at Annie and raised an eyebrow. Annie whispered too soft for Jack to hear the first time. He twirled his finger in the air as a signal, and Annie repeated herself. This time, he listened intently. Her heartbeat was faster than usual. He was scary. Jack nodded his head as they approached the train. The door slid open as people began piling out like a school of fish trying to escape from a shark. They stepped into the subway and found two open seats next to each other. They sat down and as Annie tugged on his shirt again. This time he was ready for her whisper. And he forgot my candy. He was probably too surprised to remember. People forget small details when they're caught off guard. Annie nodded. Besides, we're going to eat lunch at the zoo. As he finished speaking, his, mo his mobile... He felt his mobile vibrate in his pocket. Shoot. I forgot about Katie. She's going to be ticked. Jack exhaled. I'd better bite the bullet now. He reached into his pocket and dug out his mobile and scanned his finger to answer. Hello? Hello? Seriously? I've called you seven times. Where are you? I'm on the subway with Annie. Wait, you called seven times? Jack held the phone to his face and checked incoming calls. Never mind. Yes, I've called you literally seven times. He could almost feel the fumes coming from the phone. She sounded like a dog growling at an intruder. Getting defensive would not be smart. It would be better to stay calm and answer her gently. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't get a chance to check my phone before I left. We were in a bit of a rush. Annie wants to get here fast. I know you were in a bit of a rush. I got to your house and you weren't there. We made plans for the three of us to go, remember? Jack slapped his forehead. Ah, oh, that's right. 
I'm sorry, Katie. I completely forgot. Jack immediately began to think of possible solutions for this problem. He began to think out loud. Okay, you stay there. Keep my mom company before she has to leave for work. And when, she, and when we get to the zoo, I'll run real quick and get you. It won't take that long. You know how fast I can run. Yes, but every time you run that fast, you get hungry and have to eat a lot. Aren't you low on money? Not to mention, were you going to leave a six-year-old alone at the zoo? Jack was running out of patience. He began to get defensive. No, I was not going to leave a six-year-old alone at the zoo. His tone was becoming sharper. I'm not stupid. I would be gone and back in a split second. As for the food, I can grab some snacks at the house while I'm there. Jeez. You know, I've thought about this more than you think. I don't doubt that. But you know just as well as I do that it only takes a second and Annie could be taken by some lowlife. They're fast too. Not as fast as you, but still fast. A second is all they need. As mad as Jack was at this comment, he couldn't argue with her logic. She was right. Fine. What would you suggest? Right as she began talking, the train slowed to a halt. The doors began to open and Annie got up to walk out the door. Jack caught her shirt and pulled her back. This isn't our stop, sis. We still have a while before we're there. Annie plopped her plopped in her chair again and folded her arms. How much longer? Jack lowered the phone from his ear and pointed to a sign outside the door. You see that four right there? Annie nodded. That means that we're at station number four. Our station is number 28. Now, how many stations do we have left? Annie shrugged her shoulders, not amused by the math equation. Come on, Annie. Think. If our stop is station 28, and we've already been at four stations, how many stations do we have left? Annie began doing the math with her fingers. After a brief moment, she answered. Twenty-four? Jack broke into a warm smile. Good job, Annie. He held his he held his he held his hand out, and she matched it. The sound made him out loud smack. Annie began to smile, but tried hard to hold it back. She still wanted to be upset. Jack put the phone back against his ear and caught the tail end of it, Katie explaining her long-winded plan. It seems he missed the good part and the bad. When Katie explains a plan, she goes through all the possibilities before she gets to the actual plan. Unfortunately, he missed the actual plan as well. He clenched and timidly spoke. Katie? Yeah? I missed a lot of that. Could you repeat yourself? A silent moment passed as she realized what just happened. I'm going to kill you. Sorry. He felt like a dog with its tail between its legs. I'm not going over the entire speech, but I'll trim it down for you. Jack felt entirely gra- Jack felt eternally grateful. I'm already on my way to the zoo. If I take 67, it won't take me long to get there. I should be there by lunchtime. Do you have a ticket for me? 
We were going to buy the tickets at the gate, uh, but I can get you one. That would be great. Did you bring lunch, or are we eating there? I didn't pack anything. That's fine. Could you buy me lunch? I don't get paid till Thursday. Sure. That would be fine. Uh, would you be able to drive me home? One of our cars is in the shop. My dad has the other one. He's at a hospital call. Aw, did someone die? No, actually Jerry from the church had an accident. Jerry from the church? Jerry Campbell? He's the... He works the construction company? He was the one at the picnic who brought the broken lawn chair. Oh, that guy. Aw, that's a shame. He's such a nice guy. I wish I could just heal him. I bet he would want you to. But that would be illegal. You're not certified as a doctor yet. That rule is so stupid. People with a healing talent should be able to use it as they want. I guarantee I'm better than most of those doctors at the stinking Tennessee General. I know you are. But you know as well as I do that there are people who really need the training. You know what would happen if you healed someone incorrectly. They'd end up looking like they got a really bad nose job. Or like they had some weird genetic disorder. Right. I still think it was stupid, though. As Katie finished talking, the train stopped at Station 11. Several people got off, while even more got on. The train car was generally quiet, except for the upbeat music playing overhead. Annie was playing with a piece of paper. She held, it, she held her hand over it, and it turned into a small stuffed bear. Most six-year-olds were just beginning to understand their talents. However, with a big brother that's so well-versed in talents, she had a high standard to meet. She excelled above all her classmates in her talents class. She turned her bear into a bouncy ball and began tossing it in the air. I've forgotten how long it takes to get places using the train. What station are you at? We just passed eleven. Annie's getting a bit antsy. I might have to give her my phone to play with for a while. Okay, I'll let you go then. I'm about an hour from Columbus. I'll meet you there. Great, see you then. Jack tapped the screen on his mobile and opened a game. The theme for bear creation started blaring from the speakers. After turning the volume down, he began. He handed the phone to the eager hands of Annie Medley. She sat down quietly, playing the game, while he leaned his head against the window. Man, I should have gone to bed earlier. I'm exhausted. He closed his eyes, and the sounds of the train car slowly faded into silence. All around him was a green hedge maze. To, this, to his left, a dead end. To his right, yet another dead end. He walked forward, forgetting all about his talents and the many ways he could have easily bypassed the hedges. Throughout each turn, he kept a steady, slow pace. He rounded a corner as was met with another dead end. This time, he wasn't alone. There before him was a very familiar scene. Rather than his path being blocked by a hedge walls, this dead end looked like a decorated living room. In fact, there were walls and floors just like his living room at home. Inside the room were lots of people waiting around a table. 
There was an empty seat at the table. Jack walked briskly over and sat in the chair. Surrounding him were several of his friends and family members. Sitting at the table were his closest family members and Katie. His father was at the head of the table, while his mother was on the opposite side. Across from him sat Annie, holding a stuffed teddy bear in her left hand, and a birthday present in her right. Next to him sat Katie, looking as beautiful and as radiant as ever. She, had, she too, had a birthday present in hand. Faintly in the background, he could hear his family members singing a song to him, congratulating on congratulating him on yet another year on this earth. His father nudged him on the side and pointed to the cake on the table. Go ahead, blow out your candles, bud. On the cake in front of him were several burning candles that spelled out the numbers two and one next to each other. He sucked in all the air in his lungs, could handle, and blew out blew with all his might, forgetting about his massive strength. In the moments following, the candles had been blown out. However, the force of the wind was so strong that the entire cake split into small pieces covering his entire family in front of him. As the realizations set in as to what had just taken place, everyone, including Jack, broke into uncontrollable laughter. The laughter didn't cease for many minutes as one by one his family members dissolved into darkness, as well as the table in front of him. All that was left was Katie, who was giving the brightest, most beautiful smile that anyone could have given him. That's the best gift a guy could ask for. She eventually faded into darkness, as well, leaving Jack with a warm feeling as he leaned back onto the hedge behind him. The sounds of the subway began to fade back into consciousness, and he began to pry his eyes open once again. As awareness slowly returned to him, he looked around, admittedly a bit confused at the emptiness of the car. He admittedly thought of his little sister. He immediately thought of his little sister and and began to feel a bit of panic welling up inside him. Jerking his neck around, he realized to his relief that his little sister was right where he left her. She was she was talking to a very plain-looking man sitting on the opposite, sitting on the chair across from her. No kidding. So you can turn any ordinary object into anything? Yep. Her tone of voice rang with pride. This was a very strange thing to be witnessing. First, the train car was completely clear except for the three of them. Secondly, Annie, out of fear, never talked to strangers. The most Annie ever said to a stranger was thank you, and begrudgingly at that. However, here she was, making conversation to a stranger as if it was second nature. I can't believe it. The stranger took a piece of metal from his pocket and held it in the palm of his hand. So, if I were to say to this, to turn this into a bunny rabbit, would you be able to do it? Annie nodded her head and grabbed a metal piece. She held her hand over the top of it and transformed it into into a bunny rabbit. The man grabbed the rabbit and inspected it. Finally, he looked up at her. That's incredible, kid. Can you do that with anything? 
She nodded her head as the as he handed her the rabbit. Are bunnies your favorite animal? Annie shook her head. Bears are my favorite. Really? Can you turn that into a, that bunny into a bear? She placed her hand on the rabbit and it turned it into a stuffed bear. The man shifted in his seat, eager to ask the next question. Can you do that with people? Can you make one person look like another? Annie shook her head as Jack cleared his throat. The noise startled the man, and he jumped out of his seat. His expression was one of surprise and curiosity. Once they made eye contact, his face changed to that of excitement. This must be Big Brother. I'm Mickey Burnham. Very nice to meet you. He offered his hand, and Jack grabbed it. As soon as their hands made contact, Jack's expression became blank, and he felt at ease. You like me. You appreciate me talking to your sister, and you trust me. Jack agreed with everything the man said and felt the need to repeat what he said exactly as he heard it. I like you. I appreciate you talking to my sister, and I trust you. You will exit this car and leave us because you trust me. Jack immediately turned around and began walking toward the door. I will exit this car and leave you because I trust you. Jack slid the door to the car open and walked to the next car. Once inside, he stood motionless and expressionless while several several other people stood in the same state he was. A few brief moments passed and he snapped out of his trance. The bell, the bell rang for Station 28. What was I doing in here? Why did I come in here? He turned around and made his way back to the car that Annie and Mickey were on. Once the door slid open, Mickey spun around, looking motionless. What are you doing? His tone was surprised and firm. It was as if he didn't expect him to be here. Why does he care? Inspecting the car, Jack began to feel slightly angry and ashamed. And furthermore, why is my little sister alone with a man on this car? He felt angry that she was alone with a fully grown man on the subway, and ashamed that he had left her like this. I went to the other car and uh, forgot while I was there. I must have had to go to the restroom. But that's none of his business. His anger was rising quickly by the second as he surveyed the situation. He walked quickly to Annie, grabbing her by the hand. When he did, he saw the look on her eyes change from being emotionless to that of surprise. Her expression made him think of the people in the other car. However, she had seemed to snap out of it. Out of instinct, she began walking with Jack, who was picking up speed as they walked through the open doors in the subway. Before leaving the car, he looked back at the man. The the plain man's expression had changed from that of shock to that of absolute horror. He stared at Jack, as if he couldn't believe what he had just done. He began walking toward the door as Jack waved his hand in the air, making the doors slide shut. For good measure... He made the doors on the entire subway slide shut to make sure that lowlife didn't follow them. He was furious at himself and the man. He was almost too lost in thought to realize that Annie was tugging on his shirt. They stopped walking just before they reached the staircase leading to the street. He listened intently for their whisper. For her whisper. 
Who was that man? You tell me. You were talking with him for a long time. What happened in there while I was gone? Do you remember why I left? What did he say? So many questions came to mind that it was hard to keep some of them straight in his head. They all exploded like a soda bottle that had been shaken for several seconds. Annie looked befuddled. She shrugged her shoulders and scratched her face. This both worried and frustrated Jack. Annie, this is very important. I need you to tell me exactly what happened. What do you remember? Annie looked thoughtful. Well, he came in and sat down, Jack interrupted. Wait, about what station did he come from, and where did he sit? Annie took a breath and answered, I think it was Station 14. And where did he sit? Tell me all the details. His tone was still insistent. I think he sat at the end of the car, but I don't know. I got bored playing bear creation, so I started playing with the bouncy ball. Jack nodded his head, still looking intently into Annie's eyes. And then I turned it into a bear, and then into a pancake, and then into the paper. And then? And then he came and sat in front of me. What then? That's all I remember. Jack nodded his head and motioned for her to climb on his back. She latched onto him and began walking up the stairs. His thoughts were still troubled as he walked to, toward the street. This is not good. I was in that car for who knows how long, and neither me nor Annie can remember what happened during that time. Jack clenched his, checked his watch. 11.30. This is not good. All that time, I have no clue how much of that was nap and how much I was in that car. He came to the intersection on the busy sidewalk. Let's see. Where is the zoo? Suddenly, he stopped dead in his tracks. My phone! Annie, you didn't leave my phone on the subway, did you? Annie shifted her position, reaching into her pocket and pulling out the mobile. Jack felt intensely relieved at the sight of his phone. Finally, some good news. He opened the map and checked the t checked for the zoo, in accordance to his current location. Okay, so a left, two rights, and a left. Alrighty. Alright, sis. Close your eyes and mouth and hold on tight. We're going to go really fast. He held on to her neck and legs and dashed off to the zoo. They arrived in the middle of the parking lot as Jack set Annie back on her feet. He felt beads of sweat forming on his face. Man, what a hot day for a true, for a zoo trip. He checked his watch. 11.42 p.m. They began walking toward the entrance of the zoo when Jack heard a familiar voice. Check it again. There's no way I beat him. There's no way I beat him here. Ma'am, I've checked it three times. There's no Jackson Medley in this list. Did you spell it right? The man exhaled, annoyed at Katie's persistence. J-A-C-K-S-O-N. Am I right so far? 
the man said at each individual letter, extremely slowly. Now Katie was getting annoyed. Yes, her tone made it clear that she was trying hard to keep her cool. This is perfect. I'll walk up to them and say, Medley. That'll be awesome. It'll be just like a movie. He began picking up speed to catch up with the conversation. Katie exhaled, finally giving up on making the process go any faster. M-E-D-L-Y. Did I get anything wrong? His tone was dull and uninviting as before. Katie perked up at the question. Then she slammed her hand on down on the counter. Yes, actually. You've been spelling medley all wrong. The man sat up in his chair, looking a bit embarrassed. He cleared his throat. Oh, sorry. How do you spell it? It's medley. M-E-D-L-E-Y. That's how you spell it. The man typed on the glass keyboard and scrolled on the screen with his finger. Squinting his eyes, he checked the name thorough, each name thoroughly. He then shook his head and cleared his throat once again. <clears throat> There's no Jack Mudley on this list. Katie began to shake her head as she dug her phone into her pocket. I don't know. I don't understand how I could have gotten here before him. If you knew how fast he is... She scanned her finger and the phone began to dial. Medley! A voice boomed from behind her as she spun around. A tall, brown-haired man walked up to the ticket booth, brimming with pride, followed closely by a small, brown-haired girl. An awkward moment passed as the four of them stood silently. The man behind the booth cleared his throat. What? Crap. My timing was off. Jack had yet again stopped listening halfway into the conversation, causing him to scream his last name for absolutely no apparent reason. This, of course, left both the ticket-taker and Katie speechless with confusion. Realizing his predicament, he dug his wallet out of his pocket and handed a chip to the man behind the counter. One after the other, Jack and the man both cleared their throats. Two adults and one child, please. Keeping the confused look on his face, the disgruntled man grabbed the chip from the from Jack's hand, nonchalantly walking to the other to another counter in the booth. He placed the chip on a device and slowly walked back to the computer. Name Jackson Medley. He tried his best to make his voice sound manly. That's M E D L. However, he was cut off by the man behind the counter. Yeah, yeah, I know how to spell it. Thanks to your girlfriend. I'll, I'll remember that till the day I die. He cleared his throat and then nonchalantly walked to the chip reader. After grabbing the chip, he slowly walked back to the counter. Jack grabbed the chip, and one of them began to walk inside the gates. And the three of them began to walk inside the gates. Annie ran ahead of Jack and Katie. Come on, the bears are this way. Pointing to a sign with a bear logo, she began running in the direction it led. Hold on, Katie. We'll get there. Just slow down. Jack chuckled. You know, she made blueberry pancake. He got a glimpse of Katie, who 
who was looking as though she was about to explode. Katie, what's up? He said cautiously. Be glad I'm not you. What? His tone was still cautious. If I were you, I would send that man to the moon. Literally. Jack began to laugh. Why? He knew darn well that you hadn't been through here, but he made it seem like he was looking anyway. I described you down to the last stinking detail. He was just bored, so he decided to mess with me. I hate it when people do that. She was still shaking her head as they rounded the corner. The bear exhibits weren't far from the entrance, so it didn't take them long to reach it. Annie had reached the exhibit, but waited outside for Jack and Katie to arrive. As she waited, she began to pace back and forth. After what seemed like years of waiting, Jack and Katie appeared approached. Jack and Katie approached, still talking to the t- uh, st- still talking about the ticket taker. Annie burst through the doors, unable to contain herself any further. Jack and Katie stepped inside to be greeted by the commotion of dozens of people all trying to hold a conversation at once. Annie began checking every window for her favorite animal until she was out of sight. Jack grabbed Katie's hand as they walked. Katie, something weird happened on the train. Yeah? What was it? Well, after we talked on the phone, I gave the I gave it to Annie and became super tired. So I took a nap. Okay. Well, when I woke up, the entire car except was empty except for me. Except for me, Annie, and some guy. I think that he said it was his name was Mick or something. He snapped his fingers. It was Mickey. Katie raised an eyebrow. So, what? what's weird about that? When he realized I was awake, he got up to shake my hand. After that, the next thing I remember was waking up in the car next to us. You were sleeping? No, not really. It was like I was in some... I was in a trance of some kind. It was a good thing that I woke up, because when I turned around, there was Annie and Mickey alone in the car together. Katie's expression turned worrisome. Was he doing anything to her? Her tone was suspicious. Not that I could see. I heard in the car to make sure nothing was going on, but when I got there, she had the same expression as the people in that car. Reliving the memory made him feel the same emotions he did on the train, which made him anxious. Wait, there were other people in a trance in that car? I thought you said it was empty. Yeah, the car with Annie was empty, but the car I was on was full of people in that same trance. Katie looked increasingly worried by the moment. Do you think that this guy has some kind of talent for mind control? I don't know. Maybe. All I know is that when I got back in the car, Annie was in that trance too. Then why was she not in the same car as you? That's the weird part. As if all of this wasn't already weird. Kitty looked almost horrified. Annie said that he was just interested in her talent. 
He was in that car, talking to her for who knows how long, and there was nothing anyone could have done about it. So what happened? How did she get out of the trance? That's the part I don't understand. I'm not sure how it happened, but when I touched her, she snapped out of it. Jack felt her hand sh shivering slightly as they walked toward the exhibits. That is weird. Her face began to scrunch thoughtfully. Okay, so we know that he has some sort of mind control talent, but we don't know how he gets to you or how to stop him. She began walking closer to Jack as, as she spoke. This is creepy. Did he follow you off the train? Thankfully, I was able to close the doors before he got off. I think that did the trick. She grabbed his arm and held it tightly. Suddenly, Jack stopped abruptly, pushing Katie behind him without a word. Katie was about to object when she caught sight of what Jack saw. Several feet before them was a man approaching very quickly. He was wearing a uniform resembling a jumpsuit. The man had a very angry expression on his face. And when he walked toward Jack, and he was walking directly toward Jack, so you think you can just show up here? Jack looked as confused as Katie. What are you talking about? Cut the crap! You think you can just smash my car and just walk in here like you own the place? On his uniform, the words Columbus Custodial was embroidered on his j chest pocket. With one hand behind him, motioning for Katie to back up, Jack slowly walked backwards. People around him began to form a circle around the two of them. Noticing the circle, the man raised his fist toward Jack. This was looking more and more like a superhero television show. The bad guy shows up out of nowhere and wants a fight. However, Jack knew better than to just throw, just flatten him out without question. There were strict laws about using your talents in public. If someone wasn't authorized, they could be sent to prison for using their talents in a dangerous manner. Most people used their talents in secret, or they made sure that they didn't look suspicious when using them in public. Jack raised his hands in a defensive posture. He, the man threw a punch. Jack caught his arm and tripped his leg, causing him to fall on the ground. Once on the ground, his, his expression changed from anger and resentment to that of extreme confusion. To a normal onlooker, it might have looked like he had just gotten the knocked unconscious and was now waking up. However, Jack knew exactly what had happened. Once he touched the man, he snapped out of his character and his trance. Jack and Katie exchanged the same horrified expressions, and the moments following, many events took place. Jack and Katie began scouring the exhibit in search of Annie. The two men burst Two men burst through the doors after hearing the commotion. They began flashing around badges, claiming that they were elites, and that no one was to leave the building. Jack and Katie opened a door to the offices in the exhibit and began searching inside. Jack stopped by the desk. Katie, wait. We have to think about this rationally. If he's trying to take her, why would they still be in the building? Right. That makes sense. He would want to take her out of the park. Exactly. Once he's out of the park, he could disappear, and we would never find them. So how do we find them? Use your talent. 
Can you sense her? Katie closed her eyes and focused. After a moment, she opened her eyes and shook her head. Jack, I can't sense her. There are too many people here, and I'm not that good. Can you see her? Can you see her? Jack's eyes turned a dark shade of red, and he was able to see past the walls of the exhibit. Far into the park, he scanned the route to the entrance. There's no sign of them. Katie, this is not good. If that lowlife has her, she could be long gone by now. No, unless he's as fast as you, they'll have to be still in the park. She hasn't been gone for more than five minutes, which means they're not far. Which means he would need to keep us in here. Jack snapped his fingers. The elites! Right. We've got to find a way past them. Jack, realizing the seriousness of the situation, took a deep breath and began to think strategy. In a moment, he had thought of several possible ways to get out of the exhibit. He made up his mind and grabbed Katie by the waist. They turned transparent and hovered through the floor. Jack, there! Below them were two men guarding the back alley. This doesn't look legit. Thugs. They landed in front of the men. His patience had reached its limit. These men were in the way of finding his little sister. There was no other option. If he didn't take care of them now, he would have to later. His eyes turned blood red, and he postured for a massive strike. Just as he was about to obliterate the thugs, Katie's voice broke, broke his train of thought. Jack, wait! These aren't thugs. These are just people. They have no choice. Yet again, her logic overpowered his instincts. He breathed deeply and dashed behind the men faster than the human eye could see. With a simple flick to the back of their heads, they were both out cold. Both Jack and Annie, both Jack and Katie, ran down the alleyway toward, the, toward what looked like an employee-only entrance. Once outside the gates, a taxi car peeled out of the driveway. Normally, Jack would have ran at his top speed and caught up with the car in an instant. However, Katie was there, and her body would have been ripped apart when moving at his top speed. He had two options. Leave Katie for a few moments to end this now, or take Katie with him at the cost of speed. He began to ready himself to run when he heard footsteps approaching from inside the zoo. Great. More victims. Kitty spun around, just as five men burst in through the gates. Remember, they're just people. Don't destroy them. Just knock them out or something. Jack nodded his head. Okay. If I could just touch them, I could release them from the trance. He dashed to the side, looping around and stopping directly in front of the thugs. He placed his hand on one of them and took a few steps back. As expected, the thugs that he, the thugs that he touched looked shocked and confused. As they walked back up to Jack, their expression once again became angry. They punched Jack, sending him flying into a car in the parking lot. Crap, I let my guard down. He climbed out of the car and ran up to Katie, who was standing awestruck by the street. 
Katie, I don't think these are victims. I think they're actually thugs. After processing for a few moments, Katie's expression changed to that of acceptance. She shrugged her shoulders and cocked her head. Well, they asked for it. Her tone was resigned as she crossed her, crossed her arms. Jack took this statement as permission to give them what they came for, and that's exactly what he did. In the moments following, Jack had run so fast that barely anything on earth could have kept up with him. One moment the thugs were stood, ready for battle, and the next moment they were lying in a pile beside the road. Jack's eyes returned to their natural green color. A brief glimpse of the road relaxed that a few a brief glimpse of the road revealed that the taxi car was gone. Jack, I can't sense her anymore. And unless you're gonna be unless you're able to find her in this massive city with your talent, she's gone. She was becoming frantic. Jack grabbed her by the shoulders. We'll find her, Katie. Scooping her up in his arms, they began to fly in the direction of the taxi that he was he heading. They began to fly in the direction that the taxi was heading. Now, try and censor as hard as you can. Focus. They began flying in the direction of the subway. Got her! Jack nodded. Jack nodded his head, and they began to pick up speed. They reached the entrance of the subway and landed. Wait a sec. She's moving away from us, or we're moving away from her. We have to go back. They began retracing their flight. When they reached the mall, Katie opened her eyes. Here! In the mall? She has to be here, I'm sure of it. Jack nodded his head and descended toward the entrance of the mall. Once inside, they sprinted toward the center of the mall. Katie closed her eyes and scrunched her face. After a moment, she opened her eyes and held her head. Do you have a headache? She nodded. Upstairs, I think the third or fourth floor. Let's find her fast. My head is killing me. They reached. They ran up the stairs and reached the third floor. Katie held her head and sprinted to for our custodial closet. She's in here. Jack tried the door, but it was locked. By this time, he was fresh out of patience. He grabbed the edges of the door and pulled it off the wall, grabbing a chunk of the wall with it. Inside sat loads of cleaning supplies, a mop, a broom, and an emotionless brown-haired little girl. Jack dropped to the floor with a loud crash and ran... Jack dropped the door with a loud crash and ran to, ran to Annie. He hugged her so hard that he almost broke her ribs. When he touched her, she snapped out of the trance and began crying. Waking up in a strange place twice in one day is just too much for a six-year-old to handle. She sobbed in his arms. Then he carried her out of the custodial closet. Let's go home. They walked briskly toward the parking lot, and John flew them back to the zoo, where Katie's car was parked. In the car, Annie slept, resting her head against John's chest, resting her head against Jack's chest. Katie sat in the driver's seat, monitoring the route. Jack, what did that guy look like anyway? I don't really know how to describe him. He was kind of plain looking, 
He didn't have any defining features, no scars or tattoos. He wasn't necessarily fat or skinny. Not really tall or short, just average. He's the kind of guy that could slip into a crowd at any given moment and disappear. He could hear her heartbeat beginning to rise. I'm just glad we don't have to deal with him anymore. Katie nodded her head. Thinking about everything Annie went through today made her tear up. Jack reached over and grabbed her hand. Their eyes met once again. His reassuring smile only partially made her feel better. But she could only help but feel safe with Jack around. Later that night, back at the mall, two men walked quickly up the stairs toward the floor, toward the third floor. She's up here. I made sure I... They reached the third floor, and the two men spotted the door lying on the ground. They approached the custodial closet and stopped dead in their tracks. Mickey donned a horrified expression. She was right here, I swear. There's no way they found her. The man beside Mickey walked inside the closet. Well, there's nobody here now. Mickey, boss ain't gonna be too happy with this. You've come back empty-handed twice now. He began walking toward the staircase. Boss ain't gonna be too happy at all. And that's the end of the short story. I hope you've enjoyed. That took a lot longer to read than I thought it would. So, I hope that you had some time to listen to it. Um, until the next time, the next one should be a bit shorter. Um, thanks for listening.